Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 is where we're at this morning as we think about the Eighth Commandment. And the Eighth Commandment very simply says, you shall not steal. And you know, as I was thinking about that, as we come to this Eighth Commandment, we might just want to stop and breathe a sigh of relief. You know, uh, the, the first seven commandments as we've looked at them have been rather difficult, rather convicting, you know, especially when Jesus turned a couple of them into matters of the heart. You know, we came to thou shalt not murder and you thought, oh, good, I haven't done that. And then Jesus said, don't hate. If you've hated, you've committed murder in your heart. And don't commit adultery. Oh, I didn't do that one. And Jesus said, don't lust. If you've lusted in your heart, you, you know, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And now we come to the commandment that seems to give us a break again, maybe. It seems to be talking about something that other people might have a problem with, but not us. The commandment simply states, thou shall not steal. And, and I read a, a couple of surveys this week, and it was very interesting. You're going to see the, the, the difference in them. But a survey by the Barna Group uh, was taken, and of uh, 86% of adults claimed that they have completely satisfied God's requirement on not stealing. So we think that that commandment then is speaking to somebody else. It's speaking to the thieves and the, the robbers and, and you know, those who, who snatch persons. But it's not talking about me. And it's not talking about you. But if you uh, watch college football on ESPN, college football game day with Kirk Herbstreet and, and Chris Fowler and Lee Corso, what is it Lee Corso always says? Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. We initially thought the commandments about murder and adultery didn't really speak to us either, didn't we? And then Jesus said, if you hate someone or if you commit lust in your heart, we're guilty of breaking those commandments. And the same is true with this commandment. What I would say to you is this. Despite the survey the Barna Group did, the fact of the matter is most of us have a problem with stealing. It is ingrained in our human nature. The human heart always wants to get something for nothing. Why do you go to yard sales? You know? Why do we? We're always looking for a deal. We're always looking for, what do we even say? Boy, I stole that one. Now let me give you some conflicting surveys. The, the website cheatingculture.com, sounds like a good one, doesn't it? They estimated that 79% of us admit to stealing or considering stealing from our employers. I don't know how those two things are, are going to work out. 86% say, hey, I've kept that commandment totally. 79% of us said, yeah, I steal. 
But what I will say is this, CNN also reports that one out of every three American businesses go out of business because of employee theft. And I looked it up this week. It is estimated that employee theft in the United States alone goes from 20 to $50 billion a year. That's a lot of, that's a lot of thieving. You know? Obviously, then, there are different types of stealing. You know, some stealing is blatant. Some stealing is obvious. But obviously, much of the theft that's going on in our country today is quiet and unspectacular. Apparently, respectable and civilized people like you and me carry out far more stealing than we want anybody to believe. And so what I would say to you is this, the commandment, you shall not steal, ah, that's for us today. It might apply to us after all. So let's look at it this morning. We're going to keep with our same outline we've had over the last few weeks. Just two points, the meaning of the command, and then kind of get into the heart of the command. But let's look at the meaning of the command. You shall not steal. I think that the eighth commandment is written because God, throughout his word, places a high value on people and then a high value on the right of people to own and possess property. In fact, much of the Old Testament law, and as I've shared with you, the Ten Commandments here is really just the start of the law. Then you read the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and God gets in more depth there about the law. But the rest of the Old Testament law speaks a lot about possessions and about personal property. And God takes the rest of the law to teach his people, the Israelites, what he says about doing business with one another and respecting one another's property. And the Old Testament law goes into deep detail about boundary lines. How, how do we have property boundary lines? And don't move a boundary stone and don't do this. It speaks to us about making real estate transactions. It talks to us about weights and measures and, you know, make sure you have proper weights and measures. It talks about business ethics, laws of inheritance, all showing the Israelites and us the great concern that God has for his people to live righteously with one another. How do we treat one another? How do we treat one another's stuff? And you know, the problem goes back to the fall of man. The problem goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 with the entrance of sin into the world and the fact that you and I have a sin nature. And that sin nature is why we need armored cars with guards. That sin nature is why we need a bank with a, a steel vault, you know, and a combination lock on it. That, that sin nature is why that we need doors and locks on our houses. Why we need passwords for our computers. We live in a fallen world. A world in which people will steal from us. And are you ready? A world in which we will steal from other people. 
Let me ask you a question. If you were to leave your house unlocked and go away on vacation, or if you were to leave your keys in the ignition of your car, or if you were to leave a wad of cash on a table in a public place, would you be more surprised that it was stolen or would you be more surprised that it was still there when you came back? You see, the human heart wants to steal. And the eighth commandment, I think, is like a, a flashing light that says, don't take it. Don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. Don't receive anything that belongs to someone else. And again, as long as we make stealing about those who wear ski masks and, and hold up banks, or, or as long as we, we make stealing about those people who, who steal cars or, or purses or, or break into houses, then we feel pretty good about ourselves. But what about not reporting all of my income to the IRS? What about tapping into somebody else's Netflix account because I don't want to pay the fee? Oh, that's getting... You know, what about taking something out of the refrigerator at church that is meant for somebody else? Ah, oh, Pastor Dave, that's not stealing. Are those things really breaking the Eighth Commandment? Pastor David mentioned we enjoy stories and movies about people who are thieves. Robin Hood. And why do we love Robin Hood? Because he stole from the rich and gave to the poor. Bonnie and Clyde and others like them have become almost romanticized in our hearts despite the fact they were cold-blooded killers. We love the ingenious and, and, and the intricate plan of Ocean's Eleven and then watching how it all unfolds. What is it about the human heart that makes me want to steal? Let me give you a couple ideas on that. What makes us want to steal? First of all, there's the problem with greed. We all struggle with greed. We have an incredible, as I said earlier, we have an incredible desire to get something for nothing. In a sense, that's the driving force behind, you know, sales at a store. The store wants you to think even that you're getting something for nothing, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with going to a store and buying something that's on, on sale, but, you know, that it does speak to our inward desires. You know, I went to a Christian college, Cedarville. It was college at the time, now university. I can remember the end of my freshman, uh, no, I might even my sophomore year, one of, the, one of the years that I was there, one of the 20 years I was there. Um, I can remember President Dixon uh, giving a, a a, a message to the, the student body at the end of the year, and he made this statement, it stuck with me, that every year in the Cedarville College bookstore, over $10,000 worth of merchandise is stolen by us college kids. And, and I remember him saying that, that, you know, it could be five years, 10 years, three years, whatever, they, they will get checks in the mail. From someone who says, you know what, when I was a student, I, I took this, or I did this, or I did that. 
What is it? We have a problem with greed. We have a problem of wanting to get something for nothing. Second, we're kind of lazy people. We love to cut corners. We, we love to get something without having to go through the process. You know, we, 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 you know, we want to short circuit something. When we want to get to the end, but, but we don't want to go through all the, the, the work to get there. We often steal because of that. Again, I guess this is going to be confession day. Um, I can remember another time I was a senior at Cedarville, so I was, I can't blame it on being young, but uh, I was uh, uh, taking a U.S. history class, and it was a very interesting class. It was a a five-hour class that only met one hour a week, and what we had to do is each week we were given a book to read, and then we, we read the book all week, and on Friday we got together for that hour and we discussed the book. And, and you had to have insights on the book. You had to have question, you know, or you had to be able to say, well, this part of the book really, really spoke to me. And, and uh, that was all part of our grade. And I can remember on at least two occasions going to the library and getting the cliff notes. Remember the cliff notes? You know, or reading a synopsis from a magazine about the book because the book was really boring. And going to class and having a couple things to share. I was cutting corners without what? Doing the work. Cutting corners without doing the work. And we do that. We cheat on a test. We, we have someone else write a report for us. We sign off on a project at work that we didn't really do. Sometimes we steal because we're lazy. You know, I didn't put it up there, but sometimes we steal just for the thrill of it. Can I, can I get away with that? You know, can, can I really do that? But as we think about this eighth commandment, God's very clear here. Don't steal. What is it specifically that God is forbidding us, us to steal here in verse 15? Well, let's think about it. Obviously, it forbids theft and robbery. It it forbids taking something that belongs to somebody else and it doesn't belong to you. Again, I guess, like I said, this is is confession day. I can remember when I was, I think I was nine years old. My father and I went and stopped at a a man's store from the, he he went to the church and my dad had to stop and talk to him about something. And and they were talking about something and they were, the store was actually closed and they weren't paying any attention to me. And there on the counter was a man's, men's ring. And it was sharp looking. It was just laying there. And I thought, boy, I like that ring. And I picked it up, and I put it in my pocket. Now, let me ask you, let me say this. That shows me the human heart. What was I going to do with a men's ring? I was nine. And I can remember getting home, and boy, I, I can remember just feeling really, really guilty about it, but not guilty enough to give it back. And, and the phone rang. Uh, yeah, you're already ahead of me here. And a man said to my dad, he said, hey, I, I'm missing a ring. You didn't see it, did you? 
My dad said, no, I didn't. So he came up and asked me. And initially I said, yes. And I pulled it out of my pocket. And we had to go back to the store. And I had to give that ring back to the man and apologize to him. It made a great impression on me. Don't get caught. No, no. <laughs> we understand that taking things that don't belong to us is wrong. But even when we understand that, there are times when we still try to justify our actions. We borrow somebody else's stuff with the expectation we will return it. But how many of you had borrowed things in your house right now that you've never returned? And we just say, well, that's long-term borrowing. Time may be money to business, but we ignore that when it suits us, right? Do we embezzle funds from work? Probably not. Do you take money out of the coffee fund? Hopefully not. Do you not put money in the coffee fund? You know, stealing is far more involved in our lives than we want to believe. But this command forbids taking something that doesn't belong to us. Look at the second thing. It forbids being deceitful in our business dealings with other people. In the Old Testament and in Bible times, it was spoken of as those inaccurate measurements. You know, the, the people didn't really function as we did today where you pull out your wallet and you give somebody 20 bucks for whatever it is. No, you had weights and measures. And well, I think it's, you know, it's worth this much. And so someone pull out a weight and they put it on there and the goods would be on this scale. And the Lord said, be careful, merchants, that you have an accurate weight there. Don't try to cheat somebody. And on the same hand, be careful when you're buying that you don't try to cheat somebody as well. And you say, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, that's true. But, but it also might speak to us when we're buying or selling an item ourselves. Do we tell lies about what we're selling? Half-truths? Your car broke down, needs a new transmission, and yet you put it in a paper, it runs like a top. Right? Do we deceive one another? Do we entice people to buy things that, that really are not good for them? Don't be deceitful in your business. It also forbids defrauding other people. That might include withholding something from someone else who's earned it, who deserves it. Now I'm going to really meddle with you, okay? It includes... Or it means giving our employer an honest day's work. And it means that our employer, if you're the employer, it means giving our employees the benefits and the wages that have been agreed upon. You know, I can remember at the, the scrapyard, you know, people taking sick days when they weren't sick. Well, everybody does that. And I can still remember it as if it were today. Break time was at 10.30 and 2.30. 
And I can remember uh, finishing up a project at 10 after 2 and, and going to, to, to find a new project. And one of the guys saying, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm done my project. It's almost break time. Don't make the rest of us look bad. And they would punch one another in and out. Not punch them, you know, on the time clock. Stealing from our employer. Taking supplies home that don't belong to us. Borrowing money from family or friends with no intention of paying it back. See, the bottom line is this. When I steal, when I steal from someone else, it's no big deal. Oh, they can afford it. They got deep pockets. But when someone steals from me, then it's a big deal, right? The meaning of the command is don't take what doesn't belong to you. Whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's things, whether, whatever it may be. Don't be deceitful. Don't try to get something for nothing. But what's at the heart of the command? What is the heart of it? Go to Malachi chapter 3. I think at the very heart of the command is this thought. God owns it all. And we need to keep that in mind. And not only does God own it all, we are merely stewards of what God has given to us. One of the things that we've seen in our study of the commandments is how they all tie in together. And I think we see that with this commandment as well. One of the main reasons that we break this commandment is that we have turned our possessions, or not even ours, we have turned possessions and wealth into our fulfillment. And, and we look to them for our fulfillment rather than to God. And we look to, to possessions, we look to things as the things that are most important. And one area that demonstrates that more than anything else, I think, is the fact that we also tend to steal from God. We tend to steal from God. We have to realize that our stuff is not really our stuff at all. It's God's. And he has entrusted it to us. And the truth is that it has to be at the disposal of God's people and for God's purposes. Here in Malachi chapter 3, God charges his people with disobedience. And, and he gives them a specific illustration of that disobedience when he accuses them of robbing him. Look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. 
nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Here in Matthew, Malachi chapter 3, God, speaking through the prophet Malachi, says that the people have taken that which belonged to God and they have kept it for themselves. And the response of the people there in verse 8 is one of surprise. The response of the people is one that we would, how have we ever robbed you? God, I've never taken anything that belongs to you. I would never think of doing that. And the people said, how have we wronged God? And Malachi informed them that they had robbed God when they failed to do what? Give their tithes and their offerings to God. See, every year the people were to bring a tenth of the yield of their land and a tenth of the yield of the flocks that they had and give it to the Lord. And those tithes then were used to support the, the priests and the Levites who served God in the temple or in the tabernacle early on. And, and think about it. Those tithes were almost like a rental fee, if you will, or a tax on what their land produced because the land belonged to who? Belonged to God. My flock belongs to God. He's just entrusted me with it. And so that tithe is something that I owe the owner of the property. And withholding that portion that belonged to the owner, that belonged to God, was sin. Look at verse 9. When they don't honor and acknowledge God as the giver of all that they possess, what happens? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. When they don't honor and acknowledge God as the, as the one who has given them all that they possess, and when they withhold from God, he will withhold his gifts and his blessings from them. And the people don't realize how much of a part God played in the production of the resources. And God says to them in verses 11 and 12, if you will only give me what I, I deserve, give me what belongs to me, I will pour out my blessing on you. I will pour out my blessing on you. Folks, can I make this really personal for us today? We break the eighth commandment when we don't give a portion of our resources to God. miss that part that God challenges us look, look at verse 10 bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and notice what he says try me now on this God challenges them trust me give what me what belongs to me and see how I will bless you and again we break this command when we don't trust him when we don't give a portion of our resources to God. And I know that, that we say, you know what, uh, 10% is the Old Testament and you know, there is no regulations in the New Testament. I, I get that. But I would say to you, 10% is a good place to start. And God said to his people, you owe me 10%, that's your tithe. And then over on top of the tithe, we were to bring what? Offerings. Why? Because it all belongs to him. 
It all belongs to him. When I am not willing to give God what belongs to, rightfully belongs to him, I'm stealing from God. You know, I read a, another survey this week that the average Christian, 97% of Christians in America did not tithe at least 10% last year. In fact, the average was 2.7%. Like the, the Israelites here in Malachi, we need to remember, folks, that all we have belongs to God. We are simply to be good stewards of what he has given to us. And one thing that God expects out of his followers is that we will be givers. You know, God wants us to be like him. He wants us to be people of love because he's a God of love. He wants us to be people who forgive because he is a God of grace. And he wants us to be givers because God is a giver. He wants us to be gracious. And God expects that we as his followers will be givers. Giving actually is a matter of faith. We give the first portion of all that we have because it all belongs to him anyway. Folks, I believe that, you know, when we get that paycheck or we get that, that whatever, it's weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, whatever, that first part goes to God. The first part goes to God. And sometimes we're tempted to believe like the Israelites. We can't afford it. Pastor Dave, you haven't seen my budget. You, you haven't seen my bills. There are so many demands on our resources. We can't afford to give. Well, most of the time we can't afford to give because we're in debt. We're living beyond our means. We're not trusting God. What is it that God says to the people? He says, try me on this. He says, now I'll tell you what, let's test it out. You trust me and you bring your tithe to me first above all, and then watch how I bless you. And by the way, this is not a health, wealth, gospel message where you come and you give God and then God, well, you can't outgive, you can't outgive God. I, I believe that 100%. But we don't give so that we do what? Get. Absolutely not. We give because we love God. And when we don't give, I think we're breaking the eighth commandment because we're robbing God. And, we, and may I say this as well? God not only wants to be a giver, what kind of a giver does he want me to be? Cheerful. You know, when I don't give, I think I break the eighth commandment. And when I give grudgingly, I think I break the eighth commandment. God wants me to give graciously, lovingly, with a good heart attitude toward him. You know, I think we all need to learn from this lesson in Malachi and realize that God delights in those who give to him. God blesses and honors those who obey him. And we need to 
to trust God and we need to take God at his word. And we need to be givers to him. How are you doing with the Eighth Commandment? Hopefully you're doing pretty good. Hopefully we're not taking things that don't belong to us. How are we doing with our giving? Are we giving to the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just the reminder here that all that we have comes from you. Lord, may we truly understand that. Lord, I pray for each one of us as believers that we are giving to you what rightfully belongs to you, that we are tithing, that we are giving offerings to you. Lord, I thank you for this church, which is a very generous, giving people. Lord, I know that many, many of our folks are, are giving graciously. Lord, help us to see that all of us need to be doing this. Not because the church needs money, not because you need money, but because it all belongs to you. And it's just a matter of our heart. When we take things that don't belong to us, we're giving into the sin nature. When we don't give to you what rightfully belongs to you, we're giving into our sin nature. Lord, may we not be greedy people. May we not be lazy people. May we be gracious givers. Not only to you, but to those around us as well. Lord, again, I thank you for our church and the way that our people give. But we always know we can do better, Lord. And help each and every one of us as individuals really do business with you about our finances. And, and where we are with those. Lord, thank you for what you've given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if there are those here this morning that don't know Christ as Lord, may today be their day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.